again, if you have been with us a little while, you know that we have been in the middle of a series, a sermon series called Awe, those places in Scripture where we stand back and see what God has done and say, wow. Well, friends, uh, we can't uh, ask for anything more but to see how Jesus has resurrected from the dead and step back and say, wow. Amen? So we are in awe of what God has done and that we have a resurrected Lord. You know, I once heard a story of a mother who was on the way to church with her family on Easter morning when she said to her children, this is the day that we celebrate Jesus coming back to life. And right away, her three-year-old said, great, will he be in church today? Well, friends, guess what? That is our prayer today and every Sunday that Jesus would be at church, that he would be present here in our midst and that we would encounter the risen Jesus and be in awe of Him all the time and of what He has done. And so as we look at our passage today in John chapter 20 here in just a minute, we're going to see Jesus is risen, and we see how that affects the people in our passage who will encounter Him. And may we then, friends, as we walk away from today, may we also encounter the risen Jesus today. Amen? May we encounter the risen Jesus. Well, in honor and reverence to the Word of God, if you're able, I'd love for you to stand as I read John chapter 20, uh, verses 1 through 31, the entirety of the the book. So bear with me if you would. Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark. And she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They've taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they've laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. And so they both ran together. The other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. And then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. And then the other disciple, who came to the tomb first, went in also, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not know the Scripture that he must rise again from the dead. And then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside of the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. And when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. She didn't know that it was Jesus, but Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I'll I'll take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and to your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. And then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. 
And when he'd said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of many, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of many, they are retained. And now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. And Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and he said, Peace to you. And then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands, and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing you may have life in his name. Let's pray. Father, we pray for you to have your way in our hearts and in our lives today. We praise you that you are the God of all awe. We stand in awe of you for all that you have done. You are our creator, our sustainer, our redeemer, and our friend. We praise you that as we come into this place of worship this morning, that we worship not someone who is still on a cross or someone who is still in a tomb, but we serve the one who has risen from the dead. And Lord, because of that, we stand in awe of you and all that you have done. And so, Father, we pray now that as we continue through our service, that you would speak to us through the word. And Lord, that you'd be with all of us here today, whether it's a time where we need to hear a word of hope, need to hear a word of encouragement. Uh, Father, whatever it may be that we need to have life in you, whatever you're doing in our midst and in our lives, Lord, may your spirit have the freedom to move in every heart and in every life. Lord, I pray that words of my mouth, meditation in my heart will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, you see in the, out, in the bulletin today, there is an outline for the message. We'd love for you to follow along with me uh, as we'll move uh, uh, through that this, this, uh, this morning. Well, the first thing that we see as we look at this topic of encountering the risen Jesus, the first person that we see as we look at it, we're going to see different characters here in this chapter. The first person that we encounter is, who encounters Jesus is Mary Magdalene. And as Mary Magdalene encounters the risen Jesus, we see that she moves from hurt to hope. She moves from hurt to hope. Now, Mary had been delivered from the demons within her by this Jesus. She had followed Jesus during his ministry, but she had witnessed also this horrible crucifixion and the death of her Lord and her Savior. And so she gets up early this Sunday morning and the morning right after the Sabbath, and she goes to head to the tomb. She goes there, and as she is on the way, likely with other women as well, she is hurting. She remembers what has happened to Jesus. She feels empty. Indeed, she is grieving because of all that has taken place and how they have treated the Lord Jesus and and how he was crucified on that cross and all the horror and the gruesome uh, events that took place over the past few days. She is hurting. 
But now she comes to the tomb, we find in verses 1 and, t- 1 and 2, and it tells us that on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark. And as she gets there, she sees that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And then she goes and she runs and comes to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they've laid him. So now, on top of the grief, on top of the hurt, on top of all that she is facing, the emptiness within, now she's devastated as she feels like there's someone who has stolen the body of Jesus. Not only is she hurt because of what has taken place, but now there's this sense of devastation and unbelief that they have, someone has actually now, on top of everything else, they've taken the Lord. And so she goes and she tells Peter and John. And Peter and John go and look, and after Peter and John come come to the tomb, and then leave. Now we come back and we find Mary again there at the tomb in verse 11. It tells us that Mary stood outside the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and she looked into the tomb. She just doesn't understand. She's full of sorrow, full of grief and hurting, and she doesn't understand things. In verse 12 and 13, we see that she saw two angels in white, one at the head, one at the other feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And she says to them, or they say to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she says, because they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. But then something happens. She encounters the risen Jesus. We see here Mary Magdalene up to this point. She is hurting. She's grieving. She's weeping. She is empty. She's devastated of all that's taking place. And now something's about to happen. Verse 14. When she said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there. Now, originally she didn't know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she was thinking him to be the gardener. She said, sir, if you've carried him away, then tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. But then Jesus spoke a word. And the word he spoke was her name. And he said, Mary. And when she heard him say her name, she turned and she said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. She, She knew immediately who this was. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brother and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Something has happened in the life of Mary. As she encounters the risen Jesus, she has moved now from hurt to hope. She is in awe of the resurrected Jesus, and now she has hope. Her anxiety and her disappointment are instantly swallowed up as she encounters the risen Jesus by astonishment and delight. Well, there are two things, really, that happened here to move her from hurt to hope as she encountered the risen Jesus. And the first one is this, is that she changed her focus. You see, friends, she had been looking in at the tomb. But then in verse 14, it tells us that she turned around and saw Jesus. And then also we find in verse 16, again, that she turned and said to him. So she turns toward Jesus. Friends, here, listen. Too often we would dwell by the tombs of life and remain in despair and in sorrow when we need to turn and look to Jesus, who is our hope. Amen. That's how we turn from move from hurt to hope. 
As a matter of fact, it tells us in 1 Peter 1, 3, for those who know Jesus, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. Our hope is not dead, friends. Our hope is living because Jesus is living. It tells us that He's begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So we're, to, we're able to go from hurt to hope as we change our focus to our living hope that's in the resurrected Lord. But also we see the other thing that she did. Not only did he, she change her focus, but we also know that he called her name. In verse 16, it tells us that he said to her, Mary, and she turned and said to him, Rabboni. All he had to do, all Jesus needed to do here was to speak her name, and she recognized him immediately. Beloved, listen, you can move from hurt to hope as you encounter the risen Jesus when you realize that this Jesus lives. And as he lives, and understand that he knows your name. Amen? Jesus knows your name. Matter of fact, he knows you, and he knows all about you, and he loves you. But the question for us this morning is, do you know his voice? Do you know his voice? Mary knew his voice and knew who he was as he called her name. In John chapter 10, verse 4, Jesus, we find Jesus there speaking about him being our shepherd. And it says there, and when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. We know his voice because he's our shepherd and we're his sheep. Friends, to go from hurt to hope, you'll need to know the voice of the shepherd. So how do I do that, Pastor? Well, you you do that by trusting the risen Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. That's how that happens. When Mary Magdalene encountered the risen Jesus, by changing her focus and hearing him call her name, she moved from hurt to hope. Secondly, there's another group of folks here we see. We see the disciples. The disciples also encountered the risen Jesus. And as the disciples encountered the risen Jesus, they moved from gloom to gladness. Everybody with me this morning? Say yes. All right, just making sure. The disciples moved from gloom to gladness. Now I want you to look at verse 19. It tells us here in the first part of that verse, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Can you imagine being there that afternoon, that evening? Can you imagine what it's like? I mean, it's a couple days after Jesus has died, and they have, uh, they're afraid. It tells here there's, there's fear of the Jews. They've killed their leader. Certainly, they're going to come after them next. There is this sense of gloom, not knowing what to expect, not knowing what they need to do. They also have heard uh, from Peter and John uh, about the empty grave, but they still have this sense, obviously, of some insecurity. They're still uncertain. They're still skeptical. skeptical. And then Thomas is not there. Thomas is out, and Judas is dead. And so the scene in that room is gloomy. What a scene it must be as they're sitting around, kicking the pebbles on the floor, wondering what to do next. Can you just imagine being there? But, old friend, aren't you glad that that verse doesn't stop there? 
Well, let's read the rest of it. It says, let's start back at the beginning. Then the same day at evening before the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. Well, aren't you glad that the verse doesn't stop that they're just up there in, in fear of the Jews and it stops there? No. Next, we see that Jesus comes and stands in the midst of them. So the scene changes. It continues, and they encounter then the risen Christ. And verse 20 tells us that when he had said this, as he says, peace be with you, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. They were glad. We've seen them now gloomy, and now we see them glad. Amen? Let me just ask you all this morning. Y'all glad? All right, good. I'm just making sure. All right. That word glad means happiness. It means an expression of joy. It's a response to what they have experienced. Because, and what they have experienced now is that this Jesus, their leader, the one that they had followed for so long, for these three years or so, this leader of theirs who had been crucified now lives. And he's standing right there in front of them. And they are rejoicing. Friends, how the atmosphere of that place changed because they were changed as they encountered the risen Jesus. Friends, let me just tell you something. When you encounter the risen Jesus, that still happens today. When people encounter the risen Jesus, the atmosphere of around people still changes. As people give their hearts to Jesus Christ and they encounter the risen Jesus, that happens today in homes where people give their hearts to Jesus. That happens in workplaces and in churches as people are encountering the risen Jesus. It still happens today where we move from gloom to gladness. What brought about that transformation was a Three things, really, that brought about the transformation in their lives. One was his presence. He, Jesus had died. They knew that he had died. They thought there's no way that he could have ever survived the crucifixion just days ago and be in front of them right now. But here he is right now standing in front of them in their midst. He did die, but he rose bodily. With the, he has a glorified body now that was able to be touched, but also able to walk through walls and locked doors. He's right there as he promised before all this, that their grief would be turned to joy. Back in John, just a couple of chapters ahead of us, in John 16, verses 20 and verse 22, Jesus had told the disciples before all this took place, He said, Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice, and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. Verse 22 says, therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy, watch this, your joy no one will take from you. You see, friends, that's exactly what had taken place. They were in a state of gloominess and sorrow and weeping and uncertainty, and now there's a sense of gladness and joy. His presence changed them from gloom to gladness. Not only his presence, but also his peace. His peace. Now look, Jesus is right here appearing in front of the disciples. And this is the very first time that he's appearing to the disciples since his arrest, his crucifixion, and his burial. 
This is the first time that they see him since they denied him. This is the first time that they're seeing the resurrected Lord since they all abandoned him, since they all ran off and fled from him. And maybe as he stands in the midst of them in his presence before them, maybe there's a flash in their minds, oh, what's he going to say? What's he going to say to me that I ran from him, that I didn't stay with him the whole time? I didn't stick by his side until the very end. What would he say to them now? We've seen him do some amazing things throughout his ministry, and now he has risen from the dead. Maybe lightning bolts are going to come after us. Maybe he's going to rebuke us for our unfaithfulness or our cowardice. But no, what does Jesus say to them? His first words are, peace be with you. Peace. He offers them the shalom, peace. And now because of what Jesus has done on the cross, there is a real peace available to them. That peace with God and having the peace of God. So they move from gloom to gladness because of his presence, his peace, but also his proof. Peter and John had experienced some of the proof earlier that day at the tomb in verses 6. <clears throat> Six and following, we remember here, it said Simon Peter came following him, went into the tomb. He saw that the linen cloths lying there. This is after Mary Magdalene came and told them. And then the handkerchief that had been around his head was not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together and placed by itself. And then the other disciple, that's John, who came to the tomb first, he went in also, and he saw and he believed. So what they saw, Peter and John, when they came to the tomb, was that there was, as they saw the linen cloths there, and they saw the, 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 the napkin that had been around his head had been folded, they see here that this is no sign of a struggle. What they see here is that there has not been any hurried unwrapping. The spices are still in the folds, likely, of those linen cloths. What it looks like is that Jesus has simply come up through those linen cloths, the folded handkerchief that had been around there. So in other words, as they're looking here and they're looking at this, they realize that this was no robbery of a body, but that this was a resurrection. And John believed, it says. And Peter and John, they had seen these grave clothes. And now in this place, in our scripture here in verse 19 and 20, we see that they see him. And Jesus, as they see him, they, he shows him his nail-scarred hands and his side. And he reassures them who he is. It is Jesus, the risen Lord. And they are transformed, people. They are transformed from gloom to gladness. And th- listen, and these disciples who are right now, right before this, and just a, just a couple words before we see Jesus came in their midst, it tells us here that they were in this room for fear of the Jews. These same disciples will go out into the world and preach the gospel about Jesus dying for them on the cross and rising again bodily from the grave. And they move from being a gloomy, fearful, uncertain group of men to being courageous and convinced and confident followers of Jesus who laid down their lives for that truth of who Jesus is, even to the point of being martyred for their faith. These followers of Jesus were accused even in the book of Acts of turning the world upside down with the gospel message. They were transformed as they encountered the risen Jesus. And friends, encountering the risen Jesus still moves people from gloom to gladness. And maybe you're here today and you're dealing with some insecurity. Maybe you're here today and you're dealing with some uncertainty. I'm here to tell you that the Lord Jesus can move you from gloom to gladness. The same way, with his presence, 
his peace, and his proof. The Bible tells us that we have his presence. Psalm 1611 says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand or pleasures forevermore. So how, pastor, do I find his presence? Spend time with him, my friends. Spend time with the Lord, being with him in his word and in worship. Worshiping him. You don't have to worship him just on Sunday. Worship him throughout the week and know that he's with you as he lives. Also, his peace. John 16, says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace, Jesus says. In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Friends, we have peace with God and the peace of God when we trust him by faith. We can move from gloom to gladness when we have that peace. And then the proof also. Even though we cannot see his visible nail scars in his hand and his side, what we can see today is the evidence of changed lives whom Jesus has transformed. And we rejoice when he changes people's lives. Amen? And these, this presence, his peace, his proof, move us from gloom to gladness. Entering the, encountering the risen Jesus, Mary Magdalene, she, well, she moved from hurt to hope. And the disciples, well, they moved from gloom to gladness. But we also see Thomas here. We see that Thomas moves from doubt to declaration. From doubt to declaration. As we come to this passage here, as we come into this, we see that Thomas is not with the disciples. When Jesus appears to them first. Now we're not really sure why Thomas is not with them. But maybe he just couldn't take it. Maybe he just needed some alone time to try to think things through. We really don't know. But what is apparent to us that even though the disciples had tried to convince him of the Lord's resurrection. He has made it clear that he will not accept the resurrection of Jesus unless he sees it for himself. In verse 25, it tells us that he says this. The other disciples said to him, we have seen the Lord. And he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. As a matter of fact, in the Greek here, when Thomas says, I will not believe, it's emphatic. It really means... I positively will not believe unless I have evidence. That's what it means. But then something happens. He encounters the risen Jesus. Amen? He encounters the risen Jesus. In verse 26, after eight days, the disciples were again inside. Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and he stood in the midst. And he said, again, peace to you. And then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. You see, friends, something happened to Thomas now. He has encountered the risen Jesus. And he has moved from doubt to a declaration And it is a bold declaration that he is saying. It's the loftiest title to come from man's mouth as he says to Jesus, My Lord and my God. 
What he's saying to him as he says, my Lord, Lord means someone who has authority over him. He is acknowledging that he is indeed the Lord who has authority over him. He says, and my God, he recognizes that he is God in the flesh, that he is God. He is deity. He is our creator, my Lord and my God. But then there's something else he's saying in that, not only my Lord and my God, but he's saying my Lord and my God, meaning that he is personally surrendering himself to the Lord. He's saying to the Lord, I I trust you. I believe in you. And so he encountered the risen Jesus, and now he believes. Now he trusts that it is him. In verse 27, when Jesus speaks to Thomas, he says, Reach your finger here and look into my hand and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. He says, Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Jesus' literal words to Thomas there in verse 27 is stop becoming faithless but become a believer. Stop becoming faithless, but become a believer. Friends, listen, maybe, maybe that's what the Lord needs to speak to your heart today. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you're here today, but maybe in your own life, you have, you have strayed from the Lord just a bit. You've walked away from Him. And for some reason, you just aren't where you used to be. You're becoming faithless. It just, doesn't make, it just doesn't matter to you anymore. But you need to understand, friends, that the Lord Jesus, when he went to the cross, he went for you. When he died on the cross there, he, went, he did that for you. When he rose again, he rose again for you. And he is calling you today as he called out Thomas and, and says, stop becoming faithless and believe. Friends, as we're gathered here this morning, this is the thing that we must never forget. We must always remember. Remember that Jesus lives. Amen? Remember that Jesus lives. Remember what he has done for you. And now openly declare to him, my Lord and my God. And yield to his call to your life to walk with him to follow him, and to be with him. You see, friends, Thomas had an encounter with the risen Jesus. And when he did, he moved from doubt to declaration. And Thomas was sold out to Jesus completely, just like the rest of the disciples. Encountering the risen Jesus, friends, listen. Encountering the risen Jesus, Mary Magdalene, well, she moved from hurt to hope. The disciples, well, they moved from gloom to gladness. And Thomas, well, he went from doubt to declaration. By the way, Jesus is still able to do all those things today. Amen? He's still able to give us hope. He's still able to give us joy. He's still able to to be the Lord over our lives. He's still able. As we come to the... The last point, we think, okay, well, you've got Mary Magdalene. Okay, you've got the disciples. You've got Peter and John. We've talked about them. We've got Thomas. Well, who else? Who else is in this passage who encounters the risen Jesus? Who else is it who, who will encounter the risen Christ? Well, let's look at verse 30 and 31. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Watch this now. But these are written 
that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. You see, friends, the other person who can encounter the risen Jesus is you. Amen? It's you. You, the reader, can move from longing to life. That's the fourth point. You can move from longing to life. John writes these things so that you may believe in Jesus, that he is the Christ, the Son of God, and that you may have life. You see, friends, until we encounter the risen Jesus, there is this longing in our lives for something to satisfy us. There is this longing that we have in our hearts for this something that is missing in our lives. We recognize that something is missing. And what is missing, friends, listen, is a real relationship with God, our Creator, that comes only through knowing Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. That's what's missing, and that's what can be filled by Him. That relationship is restored only through Jesus Christ. There are other things in this world that the devil will throw at us to try to get us to to go after those things to find some satisfaction, to find some fulfillment. But friends, I'm here to tell you, according to the witness of the word and the witness of testimony, that there is no other fulfillment, there is no other satisfaction outside of knowing Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life. There is no life outside of knowing Jesus Christ. We find life in him. This Jesus lives. This Jesus lives. He is alive today. And just as people were changed and transformed when they encountered the risen Jesus in this passage, listen, people are still changed and transformed when we encounter him today because he still lives. And he is here. And he is calling you to follow him or to return to him. For he is offering you real life. Again, we have the witness of his word. And we have the witness of changed lives. We have the witness of the disciples who were totally transformed from being cowering in an upper room to proclaiming the gospel and giving their lives for, for Jesus, knowing that he lives. And we have the witness of changed lives today, how he continues to work in the lives of people, even today. He still has the power to save people from perishing. Jesus still has power to give hope. Jesus still has power to grant gladness and to change our doubting hearts to declaring him the Lord. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians five seventeen, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The question for this day is for you, for all of us here, is will you follow Jesus? Because Jesus lives. I hope that you've had an encounter with the risen Christ. There's two things that we have for you to do. I always give you a little to-do list. Everybody needs to have a to-do list, right? All right. Sometimes we may not like the to-do list, but we need to have a to-do list. Amen, that's right. All right? 
Here's the first thing that you need to do. One, turn your heart toward Jesus. Turn your heart toward Jesus. For maybe you walked into this worship center this morning, heavy burdened, hurting for some reason. Maybe gloom has hung over your household or your workplace or whatever for a long time. Maybe there's doubt. Maybe there's some insecurity. Maybe there's a longing that you're looking for. Turn your heart toward Jesus. As you turn your heart to Him, turn to Him trusting Him by faith. If you've never given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, why not today? For He is calling out to you. It's a simple step of faith. The Bible tells us that we're all sinners in need of a Savior. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us are sinners. There's nobody perfect here. Your spouse is not perfect. Your children, amen, are not perfect. Amen, we know that. Nobody's perfect. All of us are sinners. But all of us, because we're sinners, are, have to pay the penalty of our sin, which is death. We would spend eternity in hell apart from Christ. So we need a Savior, God who came to save us from our sins. We acknowledge we're sinners in need of a Savior. We turn from that sin, and we turn our hearts toward Jesus. That's repentance. Saying, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. I need you to save me. We do that as we're embracing, believing with all of our heart that this Jesus that we're talking about today, this Jesus is the Son of God who died in my place upon the cross of Calvary and who rose again bodily from the third day. We believe that. And as we believe that, we profess Him as the Savior and Lord of our lives. It's a step of faith. Turn your heart toward Jesus, trusting Him by faith. And friend, maybe you're a believer and, and there's still stuff that you're having to deal with. You know, because here's the deal. You need to know that even as believers, that doesn't mean that there's always a, a beautiful rose garden that we walk through. Things are not always beautiful and great and wonderful. We, we, we still have bills to pay. We still have questions we have to answer. All kinds of things that happen in our lives because we live in a sin-sick world. Things happen. And so maybe you're here and you are a believer, but you just are having some struggles. Listen, the to-do list is still for you. Turn your heart toward Jesus. I'll be 51 next month, and I can attest to you, the Lord has never failed me. He's never failed me. Some folks who are just a few more years older than I am who are here today can probably tell you the very same thing. I'm sure they could. But the Lord never fails He never fails. Turn your heart toward Jesus. Second thing to do, not only do you need to turn your heart toward Jesus, but turn the world upside down. As Christians in the book of Acts, we see that the disciples in the early church, they were known for turning the world upside down. Why? Was it because they had a great program? No. Was it because they had uh, a a best-selling book? No. It's because they knew the risen Savior, Jesus. And they preached boldly and did whatever it took to point people to Jesus. And in so doing, they went out into the world and told people who Jesus is. And as they did that, doing whatever it took, they were turning the world upside down. So as a follower of Jesus, friends... From this point forward, will you make that commitment? Lord, I want to turn the world upside down by following you. Doing whatever it takes, declaring your truth to the world around me, and making a difference in the world. 
You know what? I heard yesterday that that giraffe finally had her baby. Boy, that's exciting, isn't it? Man, I spent all of zero minutes in front of my computer watching that take place. But you would think that it's been the greatest thing to happen. But friends, I got news for the world. That's not the greatest thing that's happened. The greatest thing that's happened is a man named Jesus who lives again. Amen? So let's live for him. Let's pray together. Father, we praise you and thank you for your faithfulness to us. And we thank you for the truth of the gospel, that you love us, that you call us to yourself, that you have paid the way for us to be saved through the cross of Calvary, and that you have assured us of that victory because of your defeating death, defeating sin, defeating Satan, defeating all this world has to offer because of the empty tomb. Lord, we thank you for the victory that's ours in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that life is found nowhere else but in you. And so, Lord, we pray this morning that there may be those who are longing for something. May they find what they're longing for this day in Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, for those of us today who may be going through difficulty, whether it's a time of hurt or a time of gloominess or a time of of doubt, may you work in a powerful way as we turn our hearts back to you and keep our focus on Jesus Christ today. Lord, it's all because you live. It's all because you live that gives us that hope, that gives us that gladness, that gives us that life, that we can boldly declare you are our Lord and our God. So be with us now as we come to our time of invitation. Lord, if there are those here today who need to give their hearts to Jesus as we sing in just a moment, let them come and take Pastor Andy or myself by the hand, and we'll just pray with them as they invite the Lord Jesus to come into the heart and life. But also, Father, for those of us who do know you, if it's a time of prayer, a time of, of surrender, a time of a commitment and recommitment to you, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to stray no longer, but to turn our hearts back to you and to walk with you, to be with you, to follow you all of our days until you call us home. So, Lord, thank you for the truth of Easter. Thank you for who you are and what you're doing. And may you have your way in every heart and in every life as we have encountered the risen Jesus today. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. We're going to-